0: the incomparable number 575 august 2021
1: welcome back everybody to the incomparable i'm your host jason snell and we are talking about steven spielberg and his 1977 film close encounters of the third kind Boy, I need to even explain what that means. So on the poster, it said, Close Encounter of the First Kind is you see a UFO. Close Encounter of a Second Kind, and as a kid, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old kid, I I knew all these by heart, uh, is is physical evidence of a UFO. And then Close Encounter of the Third Kind is contact.
2: There's a book
0: about that. The guy is in in the movie, too. <laughs> is it Alan Hynek? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: And it's actually interesting. This movie is... Actually, encounters of the fourth kind, because that's like abduction or direct interaction.
1: Yeah, well, they're you know again, it's more the marketing and the original. Anyway, let me introduce my panel, all of whom has opinions about the you about you ufology. Um, uh, by the way, we had a UFO museum in the town I grew up in because one of the one of the leading lights of of u- UFO uh ol- ology was uh leading uh, lights jason i see what you did there. Uh, yeah, that's right was uh lived in <laughs> lived in our uh, lived in our town um uh talking about ufos and the steven steven spielberg movie with me are
3: cicero holmes hello hi i am carrie guffey um and also this um independence day prequel is kind of weird also um this is a podcast encounter of the second
1: kind just oh. letting it it out there it's true oh. I don't know. There are a lot of rules. Annette Weirstra is also here. Hello.
4: Hello. I'm just putting the finishing touches on my mashed potatoes.
1: Good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Julia Scott joins us.
2: Hello. Hello. I would suggest that you uh, cook your steaks. Well done, Walter. And Dan Morin. Hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The singing saw of Dan Morin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For those of us who grew up... Uh, in the 70s, I I think, holds this interesting place. So as a kid, this movie was talked about. This movie was everywhere. This movie came out right after Star Wars. Um, There was a lot of of, uh, interest in sci-fi movies in this period, especially post-Star Wars. And this is a very different kind of movie. And honestly, watching it as an adult, I... I It's exactly what I remember from when I was a kid, and also, like, I understand why I didn't really understand it when I was a kid. <laughs> yes. Like, uh-huh. I, as a kid in the 70s, Close Encounters was like, you got the... First off, you weren't allowed to see Jaws, so you had no idea right. who this director was, um, and because this was his movie after Jaws. And you also didn't really understand it, but you were enthusiastic about, like, the stuff around it which is why i know what the three close encounter types are and i know the poster really well and i saw the movie although i imagine i probably fell asleep during it because it's not a very fast-paced movie (laughs) that's (laughs) an understatement
2: yeah i was i was thinking about like in the first i want to say like hour and 45 minutes (laughs) 50 you see the aliens or whatever they might be no spoilers uh like they're in the movie for less than five minutes mm-hmm. in the first almost two hours of this two hour, mm-hmm. yeah, 20 minute thing.
1: Yeah. And so as a kid, I, I remember us playing, you know, whatever on the playground close encounters we would do was really just boiled down to the fact of like UFOs and what the three kinds of close encounters are. And we made up our own kinds and all of those things. Right. Like yeah. that was it because yeah. we didn't get it because in watching it now as an adult. Uh, having not, I think, seen it in a in a very long time, I, I think I might have watched it once on home video in my twenties, let's say. But it's been a long time. So what what strikes me about it is it is exactly not the movie anyone would expect to come out after Star Wars because it, although it is about making contact with aliens and UFOs, it's not really like it's about it's about the the ugly disillusion of a falling apart marriage and it's about obsession uh human obsession in in all, all sorts of different ways you know much more than it is and then at one point it's about how you can drive through barbed wire fences for quite a while <laughs> uh, and it's just it's a very different movie than than i think what anybody was really expecting and and it's just that's what it's it's not about the aliens really until the last 30 minutes where there's no dialogue and it's entirely about the aliens (laughs) (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. well I feel it even those parts I mean it's a psychological thriller right and in the vein of later movies of like the government is lying to you and nobody will believe you and they're gonna try to discredit you and parts of it remind me of like a certain generation of like dean kuntz books or a few stephen king books where most of the discomfort is in the like i know something is going on and i can't figure it out and nobody will believe me it's like whatever the the psychological equivalent of like a mosquito bite you just can't reach between your shoulder mm. blades and that's that's what this is like it's this way too close and unpleasant feeling. And I can imagine that must in some ways have both spoken to and and spooked a lot of kids. Because when you're like, well, I know that this is unfair and I know what happened and nobody will believe me. Maybe not consciously something that a kid would be like, haha, I recognize this. But I feel like there's something there that, like you're saying, it doesn't even have to be aliens. When they get to the the landing thing, it could be like, oh, this really was just smoke and mirrors they were seeing what they could trick us into believing right and it would still have been mostly the same movie right
3: Right.
0: i i think in my head i mean as somebody who grew up in in the 80s uh this movie existed i feel like i conflated it a lot with like poltergeist and (laughs) Mm, as such it was in my head like this is a very scary movie bright lights kids (laughs) precocious
3: (laughs) precocious kids yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah there's there's some there is some overlap there right and 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 it, I think I was very trepidatious as a, a watcher of movies as a kid, and I didn't even like see like commercials for horror movies. And so for mm-hmm. years, I think this sort of had this weird spooky, like eerie vibe to it. And I, I did not see this as a kid. In fact, I did not see this movie until I was an adult. And I think this rewatching it for this was the first time I had seen it since the first time I had seen it. <laughs> Uh, which was, I mentioned in our pre-recording thing that I had a story about the first time that I saw this movie. Um, when I was a teenager, my dad actually gave me the soundtrack for this movie. I don't know if it was out of any actual like affection for it, so much as he knew I was a John Williams aficionado, and he knew I liked sci-fi, so he kind of was like, I assume he will like this. Um, but... When I was 22, I drove across the country with a couple of friends, um, and you know that was sort of our first big thing. Doing like when we graduated from college, one of my friends had to go back to his school in Seattle, so we decided to drive him there. And we camped a bunch along the way, uh, and we went through Wyoming. And in Wyoming, we stopped at Devil's Tower, and there is a campsite at Devil's Tower, and we camped at the base there. And I will never forget when I was checking in; the very, very bored woman at the counter was going through all the things like, "Here's your campsite. Here's where the toilets are. Oh, and at nine o'clock, there's a movie outside:
3: Close <laughs> Encounters
0: of the Third Kind. What Go figure? Brilliant! <laughs> so the first time I saw this movie was literally at the base of Devil's Tower.
4: Oh, oh my God. God! I'm so jealous. Yeah.
2: I read that it's like th- one every of the night. most
0: screened movies.
2: Yeah. yeah. One of the most screened movies in the world because it's there every night.
0: There was, yes, there was literally no other tape in that VCR in 2002 <laughs> when I did this. They just pressed play on the thing. Wow. And I will just never forget, like, finishing watching this movie, which I had never seen before. And we're like walking back to our tent, and all three of us keep doing that thing where our heads are like slowly turning to Devil's Tower, which is just this gigantic <laughs> black monolith there. And we're all, like, I don't know what you think about that movie. That was pretty good, but it's a, little, it's a little freaky, right? it's okay. <laughs> so yeah, that was the first time I saw it, and then for years the only time that I had seen it. And wow. honestly, it was fantastic. It was a hell of a way to see that movie for the first time. Sure. But it is—it is, it definitely has an, an outsized effect on you at that point. Did, did they like project
3: it on the rock?
0: I wish this was this was a, like a like a really cheapo campground. They just had a big TV with a VCR, oh, but it was in the wow. open air. Right. So you're still sitting there watching it and like literally it's right behind the screen and oh, you keep my looking gosh. at it. <laughs> they
3: probably upgraded it since then. Again, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> so for like the first hour and a half of that viewing, you're like why the hell are they showing this movie? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, what? I guess. I I mean I think I've remembered
0: vaguely the mashed potato scene having seen like a clip of it or something, but right. I definitely don't think I put it together for a while
3: there. Right. And then yeah, the then the last hour of that movie is like Holy crap, why am I here? Trisha Trafic is going to drive right through the camp <laughs> right? now. Yes. Why did we camp here? Right? This is creepy. Uh if I get a oh, red man. jumpsuit, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so the thing the thing that uh much like a lot of the people on the panel, I, I I I think I saw this like maybe the 10th anniversary in 87 or something like that on video. Um but I was a a, a kid in the 80s, so I grew up I was, you know, maybe uh, I was 10 or eleven when I saw it uh, so this was kind of like the first time that I've actually seen it with adult eyes um, but what it struck what struck me was how much of a sci-fi film this was in the 70s yeah when that's how sci-fi was. Because Star Wars kind of mm-hmm. changed what the definition of star- what sci-fi was. Yeah. Um. So you look at uh, a film like this, you look at a film like Star Trek The Motion Picture, they were sci-fi in a very different, it was heady sci-fi. Yes, 2001. Like, all of these movies were, were think pieces. Like, these were, like, almost like academic... Right, what is our place film. in the universe? Right. What does it exactly. mean to
1: humanity... Right to be alone and right. yeah yeah absolutely and Star Wars did change the game yeah um, but as you're a kid you're like oh Star Wars and then Close right. Encounters right. are like oh uh, okay right. uh, but but you're right this is this <laughs> well, is and, from a different tradition in terms of like sci-fi and, and, movies. and Spielberg right Spielberg's also trying to synthesize. All the sci- all the pulp sci-fi that he was exposed to as a kid, and like, was do that an, an intentional
2: adult- pun or not? The synthesizing, because <laughs> that's <laughs> a large part of this. It was not, well- but
1: sure, yes, he was actually going beep <laughs> boop boop, uh, like right, taking all the like uh, flying saucer. Movies and TV shows and stuff that he was exposed right. to as a kid, and trying to do like an adult take on like how this, you know, again, Richard Dreyfus becomes obsessed, and like what does it all mean, and what would the governments do? But like he's trying to turn that pulpy uh, sci-fi of the of the fifties and sixties into that seventies think peace mm-hmm. sci-fi
0: here. Well, and, and it's fascinating because he and Lucas are shooting basically contemporaneously. I yeah. mean, the movies came out the same year, right? So I imagine and and they were good friends.
2: Both of them thought that the other film was going to do way better. So <laughs> right. they had a they had a bet about like, no, I think your movie is going to do better. So what they bet they was, won. if I remember correctly, no, what what they bet was <laughs> I want to say like 1% or 2% of each other's profits. So both of them oh, to wow. this day get money from each other's movies right, and i'm right. assuming that spielberg has w- gotten more money off of star wars but probably just that film
1: yes yeah uh, yeah but uh close Encounters did really well <laughs> that's the funny yes. thing is that it, it did actually yes. it was a hit it did really well
2: yeah. but what i think is what really strikes me when you're talking about the pulp of the 50s because the last the 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 spacey alieny bits at the end like if you look at it because, you know, everyone is in lab coats and they're all just milling around. And that is so non-time specific. Like, it's not visually set anywhere. Like, right. it could be, you know, NASA of the 50s. It could be the 70s. It could be some sort of, you know, Logan's Run imagined future. And the visuals are so, you know, movie poster book cover of mm-hmm. that fascinated era. And I, I love that it's sort of, You know, this 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 lab and this this landing strip that have been built in the middle of nowhere, sort of completely separate from everything else. And then that whole scene in the movie and the narrative are also separate from everything else. And like this little bubble that is no when and everywhere at the same time, (laughs) you know,
0: Well, but it's also a movie like so much of its time that I was thinking while watching it, like how it like so many plots of those eras all the stuff that doesn't make basically any sense in the world we live in today. Like there's a part where they're looking, they figure out something is coordinates. They have to get a globe. (laughs) And roll it into the room. And you're like, I, it's hilarious, but it, it makes zero sense from, like, your modern day, like, right. hey, how
1: would nobody recognize coordinates? And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, yeah, but other, even on the very large globe that they roll through the building, right? Uh, uh-huh. like, even on that, it's just sort of like, okay, it's Wyoming. Can we get a map of Wyoming? Yes, yes. Get, we a, get map, a map right. of Wyoming. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a – I think, watching it this time, uh, what I was struck by is this is – innocent in a way Mm -hmm. that I feel like the success of Star Wars essentially kicked off a real, uh, you know, it it was a gold rush, but it's also kind of a renaissance of, um, of thinking about science fiction topics in various ways in movies and TV and creating a whole market for it. And, and like it really science fiction was there before, but like Star Wars really put money into it. And then a lot of stuff came out of that. Right. And this Mm is innocent in a lot of ways where I Thinking about Spielberg's filmography, because this is really his second major film after Jaws, and he's trying out a lot of stuff here that knowing the future, knowing what he would make later, I I can sort of see him sort of test driving a whole bunch of ideas. He's credited Mm. as the screenwriter, although a lot of people contributed drafts, but like He's he's experimenting with the the his the fallout of his parents' divorce, right? But he would deal with that later. There's scenes in this in the family, Richard Dreyfus and Terry Gar and their family, and they're all yelling at, at each other simultaneously. Yeah. Oh my and god! It, it reminds me mm-hmm. of of ET a little bit. Yes, uh, the the dad is already gone when <laughs> ET happens, right? But uh, it, and the um the alien stuff, you know, he played with that that kind of stuff later. The obsessed Richard Dreyfus stuff, it, it's all. Yeah. It, this is a movie that's sort of trying to be everything at once. And mm-hmm. I, I think it is... Okay, I'm going to say something controversial here. I think it's kind of a failure when viewed from the present because mm-hmm. it's not one thing. It's like a little sampler
0: of a bunch of things. And I feel it's like... It's a little disjointed at times mm-hmm. in, in the way it portrays that. Yeah, name.
1: but I see what Spielberg is trying to do. Like, there, this is... This is a a movie with that reminds me of Raiders of the Lost Ark and that they did a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff in the desert where François Truffaut and Bob Balaban are out there finding things in various deserts, right? right. And it's like mm-hmm. all mysterious and what does it all mean? But it's also this adult drama about Richard Dreyfuss and Terry Garr and their and their marriage falling apart and his life falling apart and his kids and how they're affected by the marriage falling apart. Like it's all of those things happening. Um I'm not sure any of them gets quite enough other than driving around devil's tower. I'm not sure anything gets quite enough time that that, the time it deserves. Yeah. To show it going there. But like, you can see it all there. This is a very personal Spielberg story
0: that he would tell again and again and again, (laughs) so much happening in the family dynamics as I was watching it this time. And especially thinking to myself, like this is not a, it's clearly not a healthy like family relationship happening Mm -hmm. here. And it doesn't really get a lot of resolution. Like, She leaves him, and then he leaves the planet. Like, that's pretty much it. It's
4: like, you might not get along with your wife, but you just, like, walk away from your family. I'll
3: show you.
4: (laughs) I'm going to space.
2: What I was thinking watching From Now is also, like, a lot of movies of this era had a lot of, like, you know, just, like, so much bickering and fighting in families between parents and kids, between kids, that this movie like it's not for a long time it's not even clear like is this a rocky marriage or is yeah. this just like the 70s normal right. you know and so like it would it for me i feel like there should have been more cuz yep. there's no way of knowing like is he having a bad bad day and that's why he doesn't want to help his kid with his with his fractions is he always an absent husband or
1: is he transformed by his ufo experience and it's
2: like
3: i don't know maybe he he didn't care about the fractions before the ufo yes (laughs) right
2: (laughs) no but and that's what i mean like is is this just is this just like sort of some sort of like social realism thing of like oh you know this is how family life is or are we supposed to read it as part right. of the narrative? Is the marriage breaking down? I read it as such. Just watching it as yeah. someone who actually likes my husband, uh, but um, you know, it, it, it's not. It's not clear if, like, is that part of the narrative? Just it, from the way it, it's in it, it, within its context, kind of.
0: I think it's interesting. You know, as I was watching it some of part of my brain is thinking like if they were making this movie today, right? Like how would they do it? And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of little things where you're like, this is kind of, you would have to have, like, this finished setting, right? Like, there's a whole theme that winds through this a little bit where he talks about Pinocchio and the When You Wish Upon a mm-hmm. Star motif and right. all of that. And it would have been, like, built up, right? They would have shown, they're like, as a kid, he always longed for something more. Right, right? Like, it would have been right. all this background yes. and backstory. But we don't see that. We're just kind of plopped down into this guy's life, which feels very much of the era, but it is definitely not the way a modern film would get made. And in some ways, I like this it's different it's not as polished even though it is you know spielberg who is one of the you know arguably most polished directors around he got it down to kind of a science but like yeah. seeing these early days where he's kind of feeling out like it's not quite as tight as a lot of like jason said there's a lot of exploring kind of like all these different angles all packed in here and it doesn't it doesn't quite mesh the way it wouldn't be as quite as like a, a well-oiled machine i think if it were made today
3: yeah, I, I I would say uh, one of the things that I took from the film was, and and maybe maybe this says a lot about my childhood, but I looked at all of the bickering and everything that was happening. And, and like Dan, I was like, there's no way that a film would be made today with this type of like the arguing back and oh forth and, and stuff like that. But it felt like it felt more real and grounded, uh, less sanitized. Uh, then you know and maybe that's because I grew up in a household where people yelled at each other all the time <laughs> but, but, but like it, it even even the moments where Richard Dreyfus is is seemingly he's going insane and he's sitting there and he's talking to uh, the French dude and the dude who didn't speak French but pretended to uh, speak French for this film. He was literally paid to learn French. Um, and he's like who are you guys? And he's kind of going mad, and I felt like that—that's like real dialogue. That's not like, like I, mm. I feel like they didn't yep. have to write that. They could have just pulled a transcript from someone. That, you know, they were actually watching footage of someone who was (laughs) had been abducted by aliens and now was talking to some clandestine government uh, organization who wasn't giving them info. Like it felt so real in a way that a film today would not feel real. Like it would Mm -hmm. feel the, the way when you watch a film today, it would be like, okay, we've built this world. And these are the things that exist in this world. And this is how people act within this world. And and so it would be real for the world that the, the director, the movie maker has built for us, that we're inhabiting for the day. But Close Encounters felt like it was made on our planet, in our world, at this time, and these things happened. So, yeah, it, very, very real.
2: And I think also, even though it's a cliche, like sometimes the way a movie is set up will, will sort of be to make you feel the same discomfort and disquiet and confusion that the main character feels. Kind of like, you know, in a dream where suddenly you just, you know what the deal is. You have no idea how you got there, right. why you're there, what's going on. You're just like plopped in the middle of it with no backstory. And that's kind of what this is, was like, well, this is. What's going on now? I have to try to deal with it. None of the normal rules apply.
4: Right. I I think it was also like it's cutting him off from the world so he can leave. And it's like we might not all make that same choice, but it Mm. sort of shows that level of obsession because he can't let it go. He can't let it go. So maybe if he was not in this situation, he would never leave his family. But it's like the slow cutting off of him from everything i love the line when his wife he takes him out in the middle of the night night and his wife says to him see how good i'm doing right now like basically see how i'm tolerating this Uh like your nonsense and i was like yeah that feels so real like i don't know what you're doing but okay fine let's do this because you need to do it so like she tries to ride along with him but eventually you know it becomes so hard for her to do that and so it's like isolating him and I, i like it i do find it seems a little harsh that he just leaves especially the kids maybe not the wife but especially the the little guy who's like, we can we put the dirt in my room now? Yeah. Yeah. he's I really trying that to help dad. That
0: the, the scene that breaks me a little bit is the scene where she finds him like crying in the shower, right? And yes. he confesses yes. that he's like scared and doesn't know what's going on, and he right. wants her help, and she Jeez. basically <laughs> refuses. And I'm like, yes. wow, that that's is a cold. rough moment right yeah. there. Because although I, I, she
2: does I, say, hey, can we go to family therapy? Right? You know, like, it's can, like, we, that's can great, we all but together right now? <laughs>
3: Yeah, the next
1: that's morning. Very moment, the next yeah. morning, she slept with the, in the in the kids' room, right? But she, but and he's about to snap. But she, like, is is trying to put it back together. Of like, we can figure this out. We can work this out. And he's like, No, I got to go outside and start throwing plants into the window. <laughs> so
4: like, I would have a hard time with that. To be fair, It's fair. I mean, it's fair. What are you
1: doing? I think there's another uh, another version of this movie. And again, I think that it's the ambition and that Spielberg has so many big ideas that he wants to get out here. That uh, there's a version of this movie that is about Richard Dreyfuss's character and about his family, where he has an experience and we see who mm-hmm. he is before and he has this experience mm-hmm. and we see how he becomes obsessed and how the toll it takes on his family and how he ultimately he ultimately leaves or is left and then is left to his own devices he completely snaps essentially and he goes off to devil's tower and the aliens are there right like there that could be a movie in and of itself that i think would would it would be a very different movie but i think it would mm-hmm. really pay that's my complaint about this part of the movie is that I feel like we don't quite get enough of his relationship with Terry Garr before and who he is for him to have this transformative moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it is just, you know, I, I just, I feel like a little bit of it is missing. And then leaving aside the fact that there's some stuff that's just tossed off later. Like he kisses Melinda Dillon,
0: as yeah, he's descending. Yeah. Why
2: does there always have to be yeah, kissing? Why? Why,
0: why? like why? it doesn't really make any sense. Other than there's nope. the, they have this shared connection, which I understand, sure. but it, it also feels it like it's somebody to be romantic. No. It feels like a studio note, right? Like it feels like somebody's yeah. like, Well, we have two actors here of opposite sexes. We have to make them kiss, right? that's just kiss. what it says. I read a review from the
1: period that says it's unclear if Spielberg Actually has tr- has set up a relationship between Richard Dreyfus and Melinda Dillon, but it's clear that he thinks he has. <laughs> <because laughs> this happens. are like what? And, and so anyway, that that's like I think that there is a brilliant top shelf film about Richard Dreyfus becoming obsessed with UFOs in Close Encounters, but it's not what Close Encounters is, and that's I think uh, a challenge. Is is that it's it's almost like. I see the outline of it, but I wanted more. And I, yes, I know it's a really long movie, but it's like, I wanted more of that because I don't think it's quite as justified as it should be.
2: I mean, I think there's also the movie where, I mean, the the, the cheap version is like, oh, it was, ne- was never aliens. But say that he gets there, they manage to play the aliens close and then they leave. Because what do you do when you have cuz he does he doesn't have any consequences because he leaves. Right. What do you do right. when you right. you are right? He's going to come back with a
1: gift a, a thing he bought at the gift shop that he's going to give right. to his right. kids <laughs> from Saturn.
4: 20 years from now. My
3: dad went all the way to space and all I got was a stupid t-shirt. God. I'm waiting for Spielberg
0: to make the sequel 40 years on. It's like Roy Neary's back and he's pissed. Close encounters with <laughs> a fifth kind, you
1: know. His kids are all grown up and he is Richard Dreyfus from 1977, because he yes. has an age today.
2: Yeah. Well, like Tron, too. No, but I just feel like, you know, when you've uprooted your life like that, it doesn't necessarily matter that you were right that there were aliens and yeah. that you had to come get them. If you've done that to your family, done that to everyone around you, disregarding the fact that, I mean, he would probably be court martialed or something, just like what happens when you come back and you're like, I was right, honey. Like, that's that's not, you know, that I would be really fascinated by that. It's like, you know, if if you want to spend the last days of your life doing all the fun stuff and then you don't die and you're like, all right, I now owe four hundred thousand dollars to American Express.
0: Also, from Terry Garr's point of view, it's like her husband disappeared just yeah, literally disappeared gone. off the face of the earth for 40 years. I, I imagine, you know, Bob Balaban probably goes and visits her and Francois
1: he Truffaut, and they do their little double act that's half in French and half in English where they say he's gone. <laughs> it's a very important mission for the. Uh...
2: Wait, wait. Tru- Truffaut would propose somewhere around there. Let's,
1: let's talk about that stuff because that's another interesting aspect of this movie. And like, I, I liken it to Raiders of the Lost Ark, but like, there are several shots where I'm like, whoa, he is getting ready to go out to the desert to shoot Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, they find, they're in the Sonora Desert in Mexico. And there are all these World War II planes that are like like they haven't aged a day. And then we see them, depending on the version you watch. But in the director's cut, they are in Mongolia in the Gobi Desert, and there's a ship that's there. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there is so that they are like they are figuring out they're collecting the evidence of strange events that are happening on Earth. And it's it's uh it's Bob Balaban who is translating for Truffaut. Although Truffaut, uh, this character clearly understands. Um Lacombe. he he understands English but he doesn't want to speak it uh, which uh, that happens That's very French.
4: <laughs> but he he also speaks it because he does that presentation and Just apologizes not, for not his poor well. English yes. and like yeah. he's like but he's still communicating. Well this is I was
1: going to say this happens in sports a lot actually you see this where there are, there are um uh players who they do speak the language but they don't feel like it's they speak it well enough to be uh to do it in certain circumstances like when the, with to, the media diplomatically. Kind of, um, and so you you see that like Ichiro, uh, for example, speaks English yes. really well, but he only does interviews in Japanese when he or did when he was with the Mariners. And you see that with a lot of uh, Spanish speaking players as well, where they, they actually do. They are learning English, but they are much more comfortable being interviewed in Spanish because they're not going to make a mistake or say something dumb because they're going to be right. using their native language. So I was kind of reading it that way. It is delightful, though. It's like, oh, now he's speaking in English. Wait a second. <laughs> Here he is, as they move around and figure things out and work with the and 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 this again. There's a different movie that's yes. just about them <laughs> navigate. Like con, it, this is sort of like Contact, the idea of like yes. what would the government yeah. do if there was proof of of aliens coming to Earth and how would they handle it? And this movie's like, no, we're really just going to show you kind of some scenes from that, but it's not what the movie's really about.
0: We don't 100% know who he is. Like, there's the UN Jeeps at one point, and he's giving a presentation in places, and then he's working with the US government. And we don't really know what this yeah, organization or who judge? he is.
1: The movie says, he's very important. He's like, I,
0: I need to talk to the top guy. And they're like, this is the top well, guy. Uh, this guy. They have a conversation where he just said, sorry, I just want to say they have one conversation where they like they have a conversation right at the beginning where it's like, oh, I saw you present in Geneva. It ended very well for you. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> oh, no, okay. that. I don't explain it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But I will say though, as 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 a as a foreigner, acknowledging that aliens might not only go to America and possibly London <laughs> is is gratifying. Where they're like, oh, there are other parts of the world that we might Could be interested be. in. Yeah. But I love the idea of France and the U.S. being the two main parties of a of a UFO UFO pact. UFO identifying its project.
0: I just want to say the, the scene that stuck with me years later that I was thinking about as I sat down and we watched this was the ship in the desert. Mm. I think that's a, it's just such a cool, weird scene because yeah. it's so unexpected. Uh, and it reminds me actually very much of there is a scene in um, Lawrence of Arabia where he gets to the canal, oh yeah. and he's in the desert, and he looks up and he sees the boat going through the desert. And it always reminds me of that scene, and part of me <laughs> wondered if it's Spielberg like tipping his cap mm. a little bit to too, it. Yeah, But between that and the, the planes, which I looked up are actual thing. Like That was an actual yeah, yeah, flight that, of planes that, that yeah. disappeared in the
3: Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. So. And the,
2: the ship, too. They all disappeared yeah. in the Bermuda Triangle.
3: There was research done. It's cool. So we all watched the director's cut, and I think what's unique about the director's cut is, we're saying this for a... Uh, Two hour plus movie is how short it was, right? Like I feel like a director's cut in twenty twenty would be you four hours. Hours, to long. hours long, three hours long. Zack Snyder, right, right, exactly. <laughs> like you know, would be at at the very least three hours long. Yeah, and it, if uh, if this film were made today, it would be a like a shot for shot reproduction of the novelization. <laughs> Of this film, where we would have gotten (laughs) the backstory on what this organization was and who Mm -hmm. these people Mm -hmm. were and how this formation happened and Richard Dreyfuss's uh, childhood trauma that led him to being disaffected by the fractions and, you know, like... And the backstory on the family and all that crap, and I would have hated that film.
1: Yeah, I, I if I if I had to prescribe, look at me, I'm going to tell Steven Spielberg what to do with his movie that's acclaimed. But if I were to prescribe something here, it would be like I, I actually really I want I want to understand more about Richard Dreyfus because his character is not all like I want a little more there. I love the impressionistic way that mm. Truffaut and Balaban are just scenes from scenes from another movie I kind of love it because honestly having having watched all of the X-Files getting the details of the government conspiracy is never Never gonna be as good as seeing like whoa they discovered a weird thing oh they discovered another weird thing now they're a devil's tower what are they gonna do there's a guy with a keyboard they're playing music I don't know what's happening right
2: that's all it's like the the monsters aren't scary once you get to see them and the government needs to be
1: needs to be shady Oh, and when we do see the government in action, they're they've like they've like knocked out or killed a bunch of animals, <laughs> okay. and and they're 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 We're hunting knocked out.
4: We learn later, and they're
1: hunting people, and they're and they're like that's the the super scary part. But then we get the oh, but oh. Uh, the guys in the white
0: coats are they're they're okay. It's the right. it's the army guys who are bad. Yes, the guys that are one working. scene reads in twenty twenty one, that one scene read to me a little uh, the not just the scene where they're like, We need to come up with a reason why people have to leave right. basically all of Wyoming. Right. But also Gas? the one scene the one scene where they're in the helicopter and Richard Dreyfus is like, No, no, the army, the government is lying to us. Just take off your mask. Take off your take mask. Off your masks. Like, oh god, right. no, <laughs> no, not it, not not this masks. year. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) yep yep
2: but but i feel like also like with with who uh with who richard dreyfus is in here because like they age him up by a few years so that the character is you know 33 or 34 where dreyfus is like 29 30 when this is filmed and and the original script he's around 45 and that's another thing where you're like so you know, say he went to college, maybe he didn't even, but those kids, you know, they're biggish. So like, did they even want to be together? You know, like, that's where I'm right. curious, like, who who is he in this short life that he has lived? Because I do think that like a 32 year old and a 45 year old will react to this kind of thing. Incre- whatever this kind of thing is, will react incredibly differently. They will have different experiences. Yeah. They might have different feelings about, you know, running out on their kids.
1: Mm. Potentially, they've got they've built more of a life that they have to lose as a part of the obsession, too. Right. Yeah. Which we don't like again, like I, I kind of want more of that. Um, I, I do want to talk about the, the government setup at Devil's Tower uh, because that is the last like half hour of the movie. Um, which as a kid I, I just remember oh it's really long and it's boring and there's like right. nobody <laughs> talks or anything and as an adult honestly i watched it and i was like oh i'm kind of digging like digging this i'm digging the yeah, the, it's the super it's really good <laughs> deliberate yeah. pace of, of this at the end because this is the this is the moment of like we're gonna make contact here but i am fascinated like okay first off it's a bunch of guys in white coats and it's it's almost entirely men, by the way. It's just a whole bunch yeah. of guys yep. in white coats.
2: I basically counted the women. Yeah. I like, was yeah, like ooh A yeah. lady. Yeah. There's a lady. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I started playing that game as like, does Does Melinda Dillon not go down for the longest time? Because they're going to be like, stop! A woman is here. Um, <laughs> and not quite, but close.
2: And you know that the women did all the work that managed to get them there. Sure, sure. But
1: they they left them back at the base, and the guys are like, no, 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 no. This is very dangerous. We only the men can go meet the aliens at the but like i think it's fascinating like there's the there's the the red jumpsuit brigade that is the uh It which...
2: looks so silky and amazing i want one <laughs> yes you gotta wear oh, man. it and the merch Those opportunities
1: were, were really missed it's probably polyester and really uncomfortable yeah. but it looks great <laughs> um and, and they've got the they've got the music thing that they do um they they have uh what else did I want to talk about? I want to also talk about the the act of of getting there, where they're you know scrambling around on uh, Devil's Tower trying to get there. Like this whole this whole section of the movie where it's like they're under threat and they're going to be gassed, but maybe they can hide and maybe they can get over the top, and then eventually. Uh, they get there, but the helicopter scene that Dan mentioned. Just to backtrack for a second, like one of the problems I have with this is I kind of wanted wanted it to be that the UFOs marked a bunch of people, and that mm-hmm. right, which is sort of the, the implication here is the UFOs have marked a bunch of people as saying that you know we see you and we want to talk to you, right. and Richard Dreyfus is one of those, and Melinda Dillon is one of those. They got this maybe it's the sunburn, maybe it's something else. I don't know, um, but like. I kind of wanted it to be that like thousands of people were converging on Devil's Tower yeah. from mm-hmm, all over mm-hmm. the country and maybe the world who have been marked by the UFOs, and it felt way more like oh, some people from Indiana are here.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Right.
0: Well, the the weirdest thing to me in this one section is there's a bit when they establish contact. All the little like first of all, the little ships come down. Oh. Uh, and and like and the and the red ball. Bit, Don't forget the red ball. The, the little red wisp, the little <laughs> the wisp. But there's a scene where they play the music, and then the ships go away. Yes. And what I love about that scene is all the scientists then like go around like High shaking five. hands yeah. and congratulating each other. And it feels like that would have
4: it's been like amazing it's, even that. Right? right? Yes, but we it's the mission every control everybody.
0: scene, right? It's the mission control yeah. scene where you land at the probe on Mars. But like they're they're all kind of not. Like bothered by it at all, they're like, "Oh well, good job. We've made contact with aliens. Hello, hello." And it's like, I would have been freaking out, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's the scene later, then when the big ship comes down, is more like the expect, like right. that's the reaction I always expect. But I, they take it so well. They're like, "Yes, we found the aliens," and they respond to music. Excellent work, everybody. Let's go to IHOP. You know, <laughs> like
2: it really made me think of the the scene in in Mars Attacks. You know, like they come down because I was I was. So thinking like, how would you just like play music and not be like, hmm, this track that they're sending us might mean we're going to kill you. And now yeah. we're saying it back to them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're going to kill you too. <laughs> these, these Aliens love Simon. <laughs>
4: I know it's 100% Simon. Yeah, reference
0: acknowledged. <laughs> yes.
2: we, you know, we we already have problems, you know, mistranslations here. How would you just be like, all right, we're going to bloopy bloop back. It's going to be great. And like somebody (laughs) would come out and say, we come in peace and then just like, laser everybody into dust because that's what I'm also like do you really want all these smart people in the same you know like don't don't put the president and the vice president on the same plane right, right, right. or or the queen and the, the next in line and
1: all our lab coat guys died everybody at Devil's Tower they killed them all
2: it's idiocracy now or like no. be behind
1: windows
2: like dude yeah. just do like a little MythBuster style well, plexi box it, this is
1: very 70s sci-fi though which is like the aliens are benevolent and they just want to talk to us mm-hmm. and they've called us here I mean, it is also that the aliens have 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 scheduled a Zoom meeting, right? The aliens yes. have have <laughs> reserved the conference room at Devil's Tower. They are they are coming, and you are invited to be there. Although what I thought throughout is they didn't invite you. They invited Richard Dreyfuss and all the right. other UFO contactees. <laughs> right, they didn't right. invite you. So right. they're going to get there, and they're going to be disappointed. And it's only really the luck. I think. I think there's an alternate version of this movie where they do all of this, and Richard <laughs> Dreyfus is meanwhile wandering out in the scrub on the other side of the mountain, and that's where the UFOs go. Right? They're like, <laughs> well, they sent the you. coordinates, though. They did send it's the true. coordinates. That's I mean, true.
0: The, the, what's weird about this movie too is it's got all these bizarre little choices that are whimsical and, and amusing, but like feel like they're also kind of a place. There's a part where like. The, the ships come down and they form the Big Dipper briefly and you're like, all right, that's weird. And there's a part where where uh you know Roy's walking and like the gets into the compound and the guy runs up to him and grabs him and then runs to the porta potty. Oh <laughs> man! Right. And you're right. like, what? <laughs> what is this? That's
1: really funny. It is funny, but it's so weird. That's the guy who's scared of the aliens, Julia. Yeah, That's right. the guy. Just one and guy. he is Just gonna hide help. in the porta potty.
0: And then and then they play the music and then they start doing the variations and I'm like, oh, it's a jazz riff. This is great. Like Hey
1: Johnny, where were you when the uh, when you made first contact with the aliens? Uh Mm.
0: No, I was there. I was totally there. there. I was there. I was there. there.
1: What what, what do you remember about it? Didn't smell good. Didn't smell good at all. (laughs) But
0: but to Cicero's point at the beginning, I think it is interesting. I mean, you know, in some movies like Independence Day, uh, very much of its own time, but clearly borrowing heavily from the imagery, if nothing else, of this movie. And I do kind of dig the 70s vibe of like... They're just curious, right? Like it's not—it's not not a doomsday scenario. Aliens are invading, and I feel like it's a thing that the closest movie I could think of in the modern day sort of oeuvre that sort of matches this tonally is probably Arrival. Arrival, yeah, yeah. And and it's like that kind of nails the same sort of—that's your modern close encounters. Yeah, it is. It it really is. It really is about as close as it gets. But everything else is about aliens are coming and they're bad and we need to kill them. And you could say a lot about the politics of America in the 21st Mm. century and how that's reflected there. Well, I just
2: watched uh, Spice World again for, for my As show. As one does. Where they do have also aliens coming down, the same kind of opening, and then Ginger Spice has to make out with the aliens. So that's kind of where my head was right. at. Yeah. <laughs> a spaceship
1: well, that, that explains a Richard Dreyfus and Melinda Dillon kissing her. Right. Okay. <laughs> I got it now. I, I, it all makes sense now.
4: I like how they take uh, Richard Dreyfus though, and they, they spend – this huge portion of the movie trying to gas him get him off and then all of a sudden they're like flip oh let's put you in a uniform make sure you have your proper vaccinations which you should do <laughs> yes and uh yeah and, but then like oh now you're part of the team and well, so it's proved. like all this you, time you, you like, persevered oh, you made it over the mountain so now you're okay and we'll you take to you be in. okay
1: yeah. well it's uh, i don't know I, I mean what i like about that is that it's truffaut i think that character mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. um he he and Bob Balaban and their their you know globe trotting team again. There's a whole other movie where they're just having <laughs> adventures. They um they get him and the army people are like, no, we have a plan. We've we again in the other movie that's like Contact. We have a plan and we have a whole system and we've we've got these twelve people and there are astronaut candidates for meeting with the aliens. And Truffaut is like, yeah, it's gonna be this guy. Like he's <laughs> the he's the from Indiana. He got here. <laughs> he's the one that that has this obsession. Like you can see it. He's like you are one of the, the people who has been drawn here, this probably means something. And, you know, again, who knows what happens if they wheel out the, the people in the red jumpsuits and there's not a contactee among them. Do the aliens be like, you blew it. We're out of here. <laughs> but <right>. instead <laughs> they go right to Dreyfus and it's like, ah, you brought us one. Okay, we'll right. take this guy. <laughs> Uh, and i like i like that, that 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 they're the scientists right that are processing things in a different way than the military and they're the ones that are sort of trying to navigate around the military and and make it happen um, I, I like that about it. That that, that mm-hmm. that's the. But it is funny. It's like, but we got to get him in a jumpsuit. <laughs> All right, <laughs>
2: right and else. ask him about his blood type.
0: <laughs> right?
2: Did they send him a little purse no. to take with What's him? What's your blood of...
4: type? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever.
0: <laughs> we only take universal donors yeah. on the mothership. Sorry, right. like
4: no big negative.
0: What What I like about a lot of this is it is. And again, it goes back to this idea we've been discussing a lot about how Spielberg is just throwing in ideas. There's lots of little flourishes in here. I love the bits with the sunglasses; they're weird, they but they make sense, and I enjoy the look of it. And then there's like you know the the ship disgorges all the people that they've captured. Like, sorry, by the way, we caught these guys over the last yeah. like 50 years. So you want them back? You yeah. want them back? Here like here you go. And then it's like, the it's like you have out. to
2: spit the spit the shrimp out when you're trawling for tuna. Right. You got, you got you
0: got well we came back to get more humans, but maybe you'll just give them to us this time instead of us having to steal them. yeah <laughs> like, it's it's bizarre and Our makes bad. no sense. No <laughs> questions are answered, which nope. I kind of enjoy, mm-hmm. but it is it is it's strange as heck. I mean even the aliens, and we should talk about the aliens a little bit. Oh yeah. I the aliens are like this weird. Host- that first alien that comes out is like, whoa, that alien, super creepy. And they're like, oh god, why do we let George go out first? He's always gonna freak him out. He's got these long, <laughs> long legs and everything. Like we stick, just end up the stick, normal alien, stick spider alien, right? And then the rest of and them it disappears. Are like, we never see him again. Chris and Marjowas, you know, right. they're grays. They're they're Alan Hynek they're like grays. saying these
1: are yeah. these are grays. These are what all. And then
0: there's the last one too, which is more like human. It's the puppet, right? because right. It's kind of human looking, and it smiles at them, and it does the hand gestures, the although hands- it looks yeah. briefly, vaguely like it's about to do something really. Fascist, but uh, mostly. But it, mostly it's but just it doesn't. It's just, it's just. It's just
1: plain. Yeah. Well. So in the special edition, they added scenes. Spielberg actually shot right. some scenes at at the urging, I think, of the studio uh, because yeah. they wanted to market this that you could see inside the spaceship. And there are some scenes where uh. where they're inside, and it's this light, you know, glowing cathedral like inside. And when it came time for him to do his, you know, director's cut final version um he took all that stuff out cuz he he on on reflection he was like that's too much i don't want to the the delight is that we don't know like we just see the the glimpse of them and then he goes and then it's a mystery and and i think that's a a uh, yes, good good call i think that's a good call cuz i like that i like the mystery of it and that we the the point of this movie is not what happens when you get on the spaceship right it's everything up to that point um and and so i think that's a good a good way to end it
3: i wanted to see the film that was about the people that had been taken. Like, you've been gone since 1945. Oh, yeah. it's, it's 30 years later. Everyone you know is old. Have you
4: seen taken though the Steven Spielberg eight-part miniseries that oh. is like you can see that this is like the precursor to that and yeah. looks at from yeah. 1940s to 2000s oh. and like actually does look at uh, like the the history of like people who were taken scientists and like sort of three different angles and I really liked it it's really hard to get now
3: uh yeah I thought I thought you were talking about a special set of skills sorry <laughs> yeah no no like it's a, it's a William, series he, he made called Elliot. taken it was on the that sci-fi was on- I, we watched yeah. it on tv yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: and oh. then it's just sort of has disappeared
2: there's oh. that mel gibson movie where he's a pilot that was he wasn't taken but he was frozen in the <laughs> 30s and then they uh bring him back in the in the 90s and, and he's Cino like man.
3: <laughs> yeah, no man yes i think it's
2: called For, young forever forever young and uh, yeah, you know young, like yeah. have it, having having you do want to know what they've been doing, but I'm also curious about like, because you can see from the clothes, like they've just sort of been again, like randomly scooped up uh, and you Have don't they know. they like, changed
0: those... their clothes in 50 years or no. t- 20 well, years, well, I guess. You know, well, that's the thing. I want to time. know,
2: like, were, were they frozen in stasis? Maybe, maybe you know, time works differently. So these people were all picked up at the same time for the aliens. And then they've been right back. Like they just right. took them for tea in space for two days and that's all they've experienced.
0: They make the joke about mm-hmm. Einstein being right, right about yes. the relativistic aspects. No, right. oh, Einstein would not even an alien. It's like that's right, right. Einstein, Come right okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. with that. All right.
1: <laughs> Another thing that uh, happens right when Dreyfus makes contact, right there, there's the. Uh we didn't talk about this scene, but I it's it's actually one of the more memorable things from when I was a kid, which is the car, you know, he stopped yeah. trying to figure out where he is and the car drives up behind him and he waves him on and the car goes along and, and oh, yes. insults right. him and then another another lights come up behind him and then they raise up above him. Uh and you're like, Oh, oh, it's flying. No, it's a UFO. And <laughs> and and that is that is a great like Steven Spielberg cinema moment right like yes. to have that thing yes. but what you what is funny about all of that stuff is those it's the 3 little like car alien car UFOs and right. the red and the red bra- ball, the little red dot. And they're and but it's like they're hot rotting. In fact, if, if I was to make a, a reference here, I think he's kind of doing American graffiti, American graffiti with UFOs. <laughs>
0: <host>. Yep. <laughs> Which Richard Dreyfus was also in, right, Uh-huh. Too. And and then uh-huh. they go
1: off. And then the punchline is that they everybody's chasing them and then they go off and and fly away, and then the one right. carf goes off, and, <laughs> and <laughs> he crashes. He's, he's fine. I'm sure he's fine.
0: I, yeah. uh, the the other scene too. Uh, I think we have to talk about the scene with uh, uh, Jillian and Barry in the house when oh, the oh, aliens Because yes. that scene is scary as yeah. hell, right? Yes. Like that it's is so a really scary. It is. I'm like, why are the aliens so mean?
1: <laughs> There's two scenes with the, with Barry the kid and and the mom Melinda Dillon. Who is, uh, the first one is really really interesting because he the mm-hmm. the kid comes downstairs and the and again shades of et right the refrigerator right. I mean, is open yes. and like open, yep. everything right. is out on the a floor and you don't see the other the reverse shot you just see the kid looking right. and smiling and you're yeah. like what's he smiling at what's happening in that kitchen that's that's
0: all we really get of of that he he wanders the- off and all the toys like come alive, all the, and the toys come alive with a right? symbol and all that's really creepy. And really, that's the other reason why I think was well, a kid like like this aspect of it, you know, Spielberg kind of goes all over the place totally like because there are parts of this that are very funny. There are parts that are weird. And these these scenes are kind of unsettling. I think your uh, poltergeist. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like that scene with the door. Right. I think which is kind of an iconic scene.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, scene t- two, the UFOs come back for Barry because they found Barry. He's playing in the road, almost run over by Richard Dreyfus. You know, it happens. It's Indiana, it's the 70s. You just <laughs> right. let your kids run around. Um yeah. And and this time she's like I'm closing all the doors and all of that which le- and and then the light shines down the 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 chimney and she has to reach mm-hmm. and close it and then finally uh Barry is like oh cat flap I'm out of here and that's right.
0: <laughs> It's shot like a horror movie though right oh, yeah. Yes, it it oh, you coming from the POV coming down the chimney like that 100%. is and then the vent with the screws unscrewing like it's great it oh, is a- the vent re- is yeah. incredibly well shot but it is terrifying and I cannot yeah. <laughs> You know
3: what's what's funny about that is those are horror movie tropes before they were horror movie tropes, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, that first-person view, like, I'm approaching, that was something that I think the horror movies were like, oh, yeah, this Let's... adds a lot of atmosphere and emotion. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. those mm-hmm.
4: aliens well, don't feel benign.
2: Yeah. Right,
3: exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
4: Well, I think also like because we assume, you know,
2: that we'll have the same form of communication and all that stuff and they'll be vaguely humanoid. But I'm also like, you know, when you take your cat to the vet and it's like these people are loud and they are hurting me. I don't (laughs) understand that it's for my benefit, you know? Right. Whereas right. dogs, apparently, I've heard, will be like, oh, thank you, you're helping me, cats don't. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if they're just like, we need to get in, we need to help you, we need to fix this, whatever it might be. Like, they think they're doing what's right for, you know, sp- speaking of of UN troops, like, we know what's best for you, and we need to get in to do it, which is incredibly scary, I'm not saying that's what's going on but just like if you look at it from all these different perspectives right. it's like it, this is super scary but it's because I don't know what's going They're on. Advanced,
1: like but they have a they, and they have a reason for it. They're trying to
0: but, figure out how to get in your house, man. That's right. They
1: don't want and they don't want to harm you don't want, they don't want to blow up your house or something. They just want to get in and get Barry because they need Barry for a little while and then they'll give him back but um but they they made a connection with that kid and they want to like uh, show that kid around before they drop him off at Devil's Tower later. So
2: mm-hmm. Or maybe like you know he has he has an aneurysm that's going to blow in his head in two years, but we're going to fix it and then maybe it's so. never going to be a problem. So
1: yeah, maybe right. he's he's the chosen one, and he there's a legend that says that. No, no, never mind, never mind. I didn't say <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> uh, the uh yeah, this is another movie that's in this movie, and and I think that that you see here, like if I had to to sum up my feelings about this movie, it would be that I think that Steven Spielberg was a a, a genius mature filmmaker um, before like I I think his his act as a director is always going to be better than his his story sense. I think his story sense is a little shaky and he's yeah. at his best when he gets uh, other talented writers to work on the stories with him Um here. I think you see that uh, kind of writ large, which is he's got a lot of ideas. None of them are really entirely thought all the way through because there were too many and there's no room but the individual like the shots the pacing the the look Mm -hmm. of this film it like this is his movie after jaws he's very young man at this point this is his first you know first or second movie with a decent budget and he you could see it like he's a genius when it comes to being a director like the, and he's making three or four different movies in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So so all of my complaints about Close Encounters are that I feel like it's a little bit confused on what it wants to be. Um, all of the failures of the movie are, I think, out of its ambition, and its director yeah. is the one who is driving the ambition. Because like, I can't complain about the execution of this movie. It is brilliantly executed. I, my complaint is really that it's a whole bunch of things, none of which are entirely brought to fruition. And I get to the end and I'm like, okay, a bunch of stuff happened and I find it frustrating. But, um, but I also want to acknowledge that like in the individual moments, all these movies that he's tr- like, he, he's trying to make all the movies that he will ultimately make in his career all at once, because this is his shot. He, Jaws was a hit. He can make any movie he wants. And this is the, so all the movies right. he wants to make. So <laughs>
3: Did it in one. So, Jason, what you're saying is close in comments of the third kind is Steven Spielberg's tapas. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it is a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It all tastes really good, but it's like a bunch <laughs> of random dishes.
2: At such yeah. small yeah. portions. <laughs> Yes. He does a little short before the film. It's like, have you have you watched with us before? We do things a little differently around yeah, here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's For the
1: table, really, you know, right. don't in- order yeah. individually. We just bring right. them out for the but, table. But
2: also, like, because I I had to double check, and I mean, Spielberg is also not thirty here, and. You know, I think he has in common with Lucas that like there's a lot of enthusiasm. I agree about like the ideas, not the follow through, and sometimes perhaps not the the people who are making the things happen, but just that that enthusiasm that just makes it work anyway. Because you're just like, I know this is earnest, and I kind of I accept that. I'm trying not to think too hard about the the individual components logically. You know mm-hmm. uh and i sound I realize that I sound like horribly patronizing of young people. It's not that it's just like like I'm you're just, saying the experience
0: of it's a movie about emotion, like <laughs> more perhaps than the logic
4: i I wonder too, like that whole unresolved basically everything would work (laughs) it works because it is about aliens and we kind of expect it to be full of unanswered questions and it's like it's okay that we don't understand because we had this first contact but if it were trying to tell a different story about a different genre that that like level of unresolvedness would feel a lot less satisfying because i'm like oh okay so like you didn't really want to answer any of the questions you just wanted sort of to provoke the discussion and thought about aliens and that's where cool, we're stopping. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll just end here.
3: Which is a thing I think that mov that sci-fi movie specifically before Star Wars really did. And you know, like that was the goal was to get people to have those conversations about what these things mean. Um, 2001 was completely about like uh getting people to talk about 2001 and what you would do and what does it mean? And I think that close encounters did a great job of doing that. And, uh, you know, when, after we watched star Wars and, and, and you know, I, I, talked about star Trek, the motion picture. I think that also did a great job of, of doing that. And especially if you remember, uh, what star Trek, the motion picture was about, which, you know, ultimately was stuff from Earth and and what that means and how those things evolve when, when they're given the space to do so. Um, those were lots of philosophical questions uh, and conversations were, were brought up as a result of that. Uh, it wasn't until Star Wars that, where we stopped talking about how the film, like, what the film made you want to think about, and instead started thinking about how awesome the film was right like you know Star Wars was a film you know these films came out weeks or months uh, after each other but I was I was able to see I saw Star Wars uh, before it was even a new hope uh, in yep. in the theater and I was mm-hmm. you know I was maybe three or four I think I saw it in the theater before Empire. So, you know, I was finally old enough because I was born in you know, I was a year old when these films were released theatrically. Um, but like I remember loving Star Wars and Star Wars was awesome because things blew up and you could understand like the the the, the story of Star Wars was a basic one that you could understand at five, six years old um, with this film you couldn't, you know, like, like Jason was saying. It was just when you were a kid, it was like, oh, they're talking and then now they're not talking <laughs> and then they're setting up the <laughs> stuff and they're at some mountain right. and I don't, right. you know. But as you an like adult, images you're like, and stuff, yeah. right, yeah. As an adult, you're like, oh, man, holy, holy crap. You know, it's about to go down. <laughs> and uh, and like, I feel like lots of movies, even, even Logan's Run, which was very much more of an action film than than these films but at the end you know you you get that weird and and, you know in the freeze frame and that's when you gotta like think about what life is gonna be like and how what would you do and how would it how you know how can we avoid this thing westworld like all of those films uh led you to to have conversations but star wars changed all that
2: it, it occurs to me also, and this might be so obvious that it's the reason that we haven't even brought it up, but you you could also see this movie as the journey of, you know, a filmmaker, a writer, uh, a painter, I think maybe filmmaker even more because like you have this, something something strikes you, something hits you and you just, you, you go kind of into your own little wild bubble and nobody understands you and you're ruining everything around you and you just try to get there to the thing and then you know you you get to where the bright lights are right uh and then I guess you have to disappear from your family never talk to them again but like having (laughs) having that conviction and that passion and not quite being able to to control just knowing that like I this is something that I have to do and I can't I can't quite control what happens to me or anyone else along the way. And then, I mean, it's it's almost like a sort of, you know, a Pilgrim's Progress, where like all the things can be metaphors for, for the act of, of creating art, if you want, or you can just look at it as a much larger metaphor.
4: When I was watching it, it struck me that you could read it as a, a metaphor for mental illness, where you have a person so being an artist right yeah basically right like you have your own perception and you see the world in a different way and you're having trouble relating to them and you are like being drawn to the people who understand the world in your perception and then eventually you um disappear off the planet but no uh uh so yeah i was like it it was really that kind of struck me as a way you could read it as well
1: i've mentioned it a couple of times but in those scenes with terry Gar and Richard Dreyfuss and the kids and they're all yelling which is a it's like the Robert Altman family film where everybody yells simultaneously <laughs> there's a lot of overlapping dialogue very 70s thing a lot of overlapping dialogue here like i've read enough about spielberg i know enough about his history that he's pouring his heart into the fact that this is a dissolving marriage and that he said that his parents divorce is like the most made the most impact of anything on him in his life like he spent a lot of time processing his parents divorce and uh it's all on the screen here at right. uh, when he's 29 <laughs> years old or whatever when he's making this movie um and and i think that's why it's the most affecting part even though like i said i feel like there's parts missing from it it's like i can i can see him pouring his heart out here
2: and it's also you know it's a very clear reason for a marriage to break up and you know for i don't know exactly what happened in his case, but for a father to disappear, you know, he didn't, I mean, mm-hmm. kind of, he abandoned you, but also he had to go to space. Right. Like provides,
1: it is, uh, provides mm-hmm. a reason for something that doesn't make sense if you're a kid. Right. 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 Is. Well, what yeah. if, what if, what if dad got a secret message and had to leave to take care of important things and and go to space? Yeah.
2: And mom. And I mean, also if, if you really want to be mean about it, then you also get the message that, or, or the, the feeling that I think a lot of kids, small kids of divorce have, they get the, like well it's mom's fault because she demanded things of him and you know she was she was the not fun parent right uh, she was the one who was wrong he was right it's very easy to idolize the the parent who left and thus right. never got to make any more mistakes
1: well let's uh let's wrap this up I want to go around one more time and just give uh, some overall thoughts about this as a movie as a whole um how did it hit you watching it this time um Annette Let's start with you.
4: Okay. Uh, This is probably, I have the DVD, which I was like, I kind of laughed. I'd forgotten it was on our shelf. Uh, But I saw it for the first time as an adult. And it's interesting to me that it still hits me in the nostalgia so hard because I'm a 70s kid. And it's just like going back and watching a movie from this era it just feels there's something so familiar about the, the tone and that pacing of that time was a lot slower and yeah. So watching it, I was just taking me back into time and uh, enjoying sort of being in that space. And I didn't mind that it was like slowly walking me through. And I think it is definitely, I probably appreciated more watching it as an adult. I think as a kid, I was a big time E.T. fan. I love that movie. Huh. But I never saw this one. And I just think even though it is making me nostalgic for the 70s, it was good to watch it. As an adult, because it's not really a kids' movie.
1: Well, and like I said, I think a lot of people who were very, very young when they encla- encountered Close Encounters <laughs> is uh, also didn't intend that, but there we are. Uh, <laughs> it, it because it's not a movie that is I think as understandable by kids. Uh, my nostalgia for it is so much about the sense of like the idea of the marketing mm-hmm. and the like some big concepts from it. Unlike Star Wars, where like. I totally I saw Star Wars. I got Star Wars. I saw it again. Right. Like I totally it makes sense. Close Encounters is always a little bit weirdly different because it wasn't really for me, even though everybody was talking about it. And so it hits my nostalgia differently than like Star Wars does, where I've revisited a million times. And even in the moment, I was super
3: into it. Um, Cicero, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, this is a film that I really loved watching as an adult that I don't know that I'll ever watch again. Um, and I can't (laughs) recommend to other people to watch it unless I know before, like, I've got to know a lot about you beforehand before I can say, Oh, Hey, rewatch this film. Um, because there isn't a lot of action. You call it a sci-fi film, but I can't recommend it to people that like sci-fi today. Right. Right. And, um, you know, I can't recommend it to people that are younger and, and show them this film because it it feels so anachronistic to what they know movies to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, like I can't uh, recommend it to my partner to sit down and watch it with her because she's going to be like, Oh, there's like the sci-fi concepts in here are just way too heady for me. So like, I don't understand what's going on because this movie is so disjointed and she'd be right. Yeah. So there's like, No one that I can enjoy this film with except the people on this panel. And we all just watched it. (laughs) So we're not gonna watch it again. Yeah. So we'll be back here in ten years and watch it in some virtual reality or something. And
1: yeah, I I I I agree with you. I think that disjointed is a good way to put it. I'd say actually when when Arrival was mentioned, it's like that might be a way you could say it's like, did you like Arrival? Well then, right. this is like the '70s yeah. movie version of Arrival. Yes. Are you interested in that? And then, like, if you can get Arrival and '70s movies together, you are like, okay,
0: you could watch it. We'll let you yeah, watch it's right. Arrival, but it's Arrival, but with a disco. You know, right? right. right.
3: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's hairier, just right. Right. Hairier. It's a, yeah, it's a lot more polyester. Yeah. Uh, Julia.
2: Part of me is like we were talking about, like it's a sci-fi movie where the aliens barely even show up for the first two thirds which which I kind of like like cuz the aliens aren't the thing in like horror movies the monster isn't scary once you get or isn't as scary as what your brain can do but it's also like it's interesting to watch this kind of stuff cuz it you know it, it's kind of like you know reading something like lord of the rings where a lot of the things here were so you know groundbreaking and inspiring that you've seen them or read them so many times after that if you know seeing this as as an adult, it does it can't have that magical quality that it did then because you you recognize all of the things that that it has inspired, but you saw those things first, right. and it's really interesting with those things where like I know on an intellectual level which parts of this were really groundbreaking, and I can be incredibly fascinated by facts like you know there was pretty much no cgi in in the sense of like completely computer generated content but it's it it's just fascinating to me to see like well all of this inspired so many other things but because i saw them first i can't experience that magic in the same way
0: dan no i think julia hit the nail on the head here this is it's a significant movie and it's an important movie and a large part of that is because of the influences that came that it it, it evoked on other films um I think it's incredibly fascinating to watch. I think it's, as we talked about the execution before, the technical aspect of this movie is fantastic. Yeah. I think it's just, it's really well made. It's well shot. I was just looking at things like shot compositions and stuff like that. And thinking like, it's a beautiful movie. And yeah. like, there's yeah. all sorts of great things that you feel like are very much of the era. And, Compared to, you know, the movie making as it is today, where it feels very slick and very polished, this is a well-made movie that doesn't necessarily feel slick and polished, and I think that's an interesting sort of contrast to have, um... I, I I think the story, as we talked about, is kind of all over the place. I love how much of this stuff is not explained, but it does make to Cicero's point. It makes it a very hard movie to sell on. Someone like I asked my wife, like, "Oh, you want to down and watch this?" And she's seen it before. She's like, "Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm going to go do something else." <laughs> I was like, "Yep, I can't I can't blame you for that." Um, <laughs> it's it's a hard sell, uh, but it is it is still a good movie and worth seeing. And you know, we definitely should mention at least these sort of. The technical aspects especially when it comes to stuff like this the special effects you know obviously coming out in the shadow of star wars it's tricky (laughs) because that movie is groundbreaking in so many ways um but this is still a fantastic uh, movie in terms of just the the visual effects aspect and just every aspect of that i mean you've got a couple like really fantastic cinematographers on this movie um You've got the the fantastic design of the spaceships. I was actually looking up in my pictures here. The uh, the big ship, the mothership, is on display at the uh, Air and Space Museum, uh, oh, the thanks. Annex out in Virginia. Yeah. And I actually have a picture because there's a little uh, there's a little R two on it that the designer mm-hmm. put on and spray painted, so mm-hmm. you can see that down there, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then of course I got to mention the music, which I mentioned up front too. But the John Williams score, I mean, obviously. John Williams, again, identified with so many other movies, but he does some great work here. He weaves in a bunch of stuff. Obviously, music is a very central point of this. And so I think having him, you know, uh, what he created for this movie kind of is a it's a fascinating counterpoint to his more, you know, franchise entries on the Star Wars and Indiana Jones sides, etc. You know, he works in When You Wish Upon a Star and all that. It's really it's a great sounding movie, too. So. I think from all those standpoints it is is significant and worth watching but it is definitely a movie that is kind of a hard sell from a 2021 perspective of what movies should feel like now.
2: I read that Williams did the music first and then yes. Spielberg used that to sort of set the rhythm and the feel which I think you kind of can tell. It's it's really interesting because he you know he made the music for the movie, yes, but he didn't make it for the movie that existed.
3: Right. He so yeah, so Spielberg edited the film to match the score right. as opposed to matching the score to the edited version of the film. Fascinating. Which is fascinating. And especially
0: yeah. explains why there are very long like I think the the soundtrack has like several minute, you know, 7-minute tracks and stuff like that, which is a long a long segment <laughs> for a musical score. Yeah. yeah, I I think I'm pretty much with everybody. Like I
1: I look at the rapturous adulation that this movie got in 1977, and that has, you know, that momentum has continued on to it being in the National Film Registry and all these things. And honestly, I look at it and I'm initially baffled. And then I think about (laughs) how important this movie was in so many ways, how different it was, how it did push different buttons from Star Wars in the aftermath of Star Wars and sort of broadened out sort of what the future of cinema could be and that it could be this fun uh, Star Wars thing, but it could also be this slower-paced, kind of a little more traditionally made, but also big ideas and kind of that there was room for these kinds of movies from these two young directors who had dominated the box office in the late seventies. Like I, I see that all of the groundwork is being laid for a a lot of Steven Spielberg's future and you can see his, his talent on display and his ambition in every frame of this movie. But yes, as a movie, I, I don't think it really works because it's trying to do too much and it's beautiful technically, um, but the story is a mess. And I think it lets down that story of Richard Dreyfuss's character by uh, not giving it quite enough. And and yeah, the kiss- kissing Melinda Dillon at the end is not set up at all. It's like, what are you doing? Like, it, it shows, it sort of exposes the failures of the screenplay. <laughs> Don't uh, kiss him, you're the mom from the Christmas story. Yeah, come on. <laughs> it's, it's very confusing. <laughs> so... So yeah, I think this is a movie. Like Cicero said, who do you who watches this movie? I'd say it's people who have very specific interests in the history of film and of this kind right. of film. Um, it's uh, something you watch if you liked Arrival and want to see the '70s version of that. Uh, <laughs> and I would say perhaps first and foremost, it's not a bad movie to talk about if you're starting, let's say, a podcast series uh, mm-hmm. exploring. The subsequent films of Steven Spielberg,
0: <laughs> hypothetically,
1: it might be good for that too because I do think a lot of his his movies are in here. Um, but yeah, in the end, it's I don't know. I mean, again, I, I watched it more appreciating it, having not seen it in a long time, having not seen it, in, you know, in HD. Basically, I hadn't seen it at full quality since the movie theater as a kid. So seeing the 4K restoration of it, like it looks so much better and it looks so beautiful versus like a vhs copy that was in widescreen so you barely it's very small um but yeah it, it is it is not a movie that i'm going to revisit uh very often maybe every few decades uh, right. but i can appreciate it and think i enjoy thinking about it and i enjoy talking about it with all of you um but I, I it's it's not a favorite for me who knew that when we made contact with aliens that uh they would bring a tuba but that is apparently what happens. It's flutes, they flutes all, talking to tubas. It all. It's all just flutes talking to they, tubas. It
2: would have been amazing if it was uh, bagpipes because those oh. have been used to scare people off. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: then, then we would have to open fire. That would be right. the,
0: the scene. The scene where it does play the bass note that shatters the window is a great moment, though. Yes.
1: That yes. uh, that we that our subwoofer finally got a good workout yeah, with sorry. that one. It Tuned was amazing. It. Just
3: had to tune it there. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it's the brown note.
1: Well, uh, that wraps up. This episode of the Incomparable, where we talked about Close Encounters of the Third Kind, this was a close encounter of the podcast kind. Look, I brought it back around again. Let me thank my panelists for being here. Cicero Holmes, great to talk to you about this movie. It's only us, only us, we we few here who can watch this movie together.
3: Yes. So the the outro, just in my head right now, is being uh is being scored by the theme for the Close Encounters of the Third Kind. All right. Um, and it is incredible. So thank you for that.
0: <laughs> oh well, you're welcome, Dan Morin. Thank you. Uh, Jason, after this, can we go through a dirt in my window?
3: Uh, we
1: can. Julia Scott, thank you.
2: My theme is uh, the Swedish kid song from the 70s, where they talk about banana contact of the third kind, mm. or banana encounters <laughs> of the third kind. <laughs> wow. So that's, I, I'm sad I can't share it with, with the audience.
1: Amazing. <laughs> uh, Sweden in the 70s is a whole other thing. Annette Weirstrå, thank you.
4: Thank you. And I think we should do that sleepover and build sculptures together oh man
1: i went to a summer camp the summer after close encounters came out and guess what i built in the uh, pottery lab
4: (laughs) yeah a devil's tower
1: you know it and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of the incomparable we will see you next week will we be talking about steven spielberg again is it possible that this is the summer of spielberg i don't know maybe tune in next time and find out